ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Kobo's Barbecue in East Downtown, here's the Bees Knees themselves, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham. It's Brian McDonald out here on site engineering. Joe George back at Gal. And we're broadcasting live, Friday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5 from my favorite place to eat. It's the only place I say is my favorite, and it's here, Kobo's in East Downtown in Edo. A great spot to swing on by if you're getting off work, you're looking to get the weekend started, this is your spot. Great drink, great bite. I hope to see you out here as we'll be broadcasting until 6 o'clock on this Friday evening. Injury Report just came out, Injury Report Radio. C.J. Stroud is doubtful couple of players that are out. Will Anderson has been ruled out for the Houston Texans. The injuries are adding up, adding up, adding up. A couple of questionables as well. Will Anderson, Blake Cashman have already been ruled out. C.J. Stroud is doubtful. D'Amico Ryans was talking earlier. He just said concussion protocol. What about C.J. Stroud? Concussion protocol. Can he play? Concussion protocol uh, was what he was saying about Stroud. There's been reports that he will not play. Doubtful tag. I would be shocked. Nico is questionable. George Fan is questionable. Noah Brown is questionable. Shaq Mason is questionable. And Henry Toa Toa is questionable. Not the injury report you want to see, Blankers, when you're 7-6 and six and fighting for a playoff spot in the AFC. Yeah, no, not ideal in any sense of the word, just simply because of the fact that you've been rolling all season, you've been able to overcome so many injuries. But now it just seems like I don't dare use the – I don't want to use the term insurmountable – but when you start looking at both sides of the ball and look at all the guys that aren't going to play in a game that you really, not that it's a must win, but it's a pretty necessary win, I'd really like to see them get this win and kind of you know get some momentum back. And it doesn't look like it's being stacked in their favor odds-wise as you roll into Sunday because that's a lot of really good talent for this team that is going to be missing. Yeah, the, um, as far as like the must-win thing, I think you have to get to 10 wins. I think yeah. you need to get to 10 wins to feel safe about your playoff chances. Nine wins, you need, like, the perfect storm of things to happen. So you have four games left. You're at seven wins. You've got to win three of your next four. Yeah. So not necessarily a must win, like you said, but it's pretty darn close. Because if you don't, now you're looking at a situation where you're going to have to win three in a row against Cleveland, one of the best defenses in the league, against the Tennessee Titans who would have just beaten you on Sunday, and then you close up the season against the Colts who beat you earlier in the year. So – it's pretty darn close to a, a must-win game, and you got Davis Mills at the helm for the Houston Texans. Yeah, not a recipe for success. I'm not jazzed at all, as you would have imagined, about Davis Mills for all that I've said in the past about how I think he he has inability in, in terms of the inability to throw the football where it needs to be thrown and the right way, and you're going to put all your eggs in that basket. And then on top of it with all the injuries and you're facing a team that's coming in you know, feeling pretty damn good about themselves, uh, having done what they did in Miami to the Dolphins, and, and you say, well, it's one thing to say, hey, it's a good situation because you control your own destiny. You win the games that you got to win against teams that are in your, three of the four games against divisional opponents. You should be in a really, really good spot. But based on all the, the, the different statistics we just gave to you in terms of who's playing, who's not, and who's at quarterback, I don't feel real good about that scenario. No, not, uh, not where you want to be going into Nashville, playing the Oilers on Sunday. That's what they're billing it as. They're billing it as the Texans versus the Oilers. You go to their website, 
It says the Texans and Oilers are playing on Sunday. So I don't, I don't love seeing that. But for the Texans to win this game, what has to happen? What needs to happen on Sunday for them to win? The Texans win if what? 713-780-3776. Big C, that's not very nice. I didn't hear what he said, but I can only imagine. He said miracles need to happen, basically. Oh, jeez. Yeah. What, what is your answer to that, Blankers? Because I don't really care about Big C's opinion. I care about yours, Blankers. I think, I think there's a couple of different scenarios pops into my head when you say that. But I think that, for, one, you've got to win the turnover battle. I think you've got to have a couple of turnovers. Will Levis is capable of giving them to you, but you've got to put them in a position so that that means you've got to stop the run. If you stop Derrick Henry and, say, and, the, and the Titans running game and you say, hey, Will Levis has to beat us, I still think that there's enough talent in the secondary alone that if he puts it up or throws a couple of, uh, of wild ones, that they can capitalize and be in a position to win the football game. Sounds like a song. Isn't, it? isn't that a song, a bunch of wild ones? Um, I don't think the Titans want to throw the ball much, though. So it's like you've got to put them in situations where the they run. need to throw the football. So you're looking at, okay, let's, let's get the Titans in third and longs. Let's take a lead, which might be daunting because points might be daunting for the Houston Texans offense. Like If you go look at the Titans' numbers, they're not a very good football team. Like Their DVOA offensively is outside of the top 20. Defensively, it's actually outside of the top Top 20 as well. Titans really don't have a good defense. They're the second worst team in the league in allowing scoring drives, but because they shorten the game, it's like, well, they're not giving up tons of yards. Why aren't they giving up tons of yards? Because they're limiting the possessions. Why are they limiting possessions? Because they're running the football a lot and trying to bleed the clock. So, like, I think getting a lead's important, like, even if it's a small lead, because now you're looking at Will Levis having to throw the football, and you're right. Will Levis will give you the football. He's a, he's a rookie, he's a turnover machine, and he's a bit of a gunslinger. You got to get them in third and longs too. Like you got to get them in third and five and greater. How do you do that? You stop the run, which could be difficult because maybe your best run stopper is not going to play, and Will Anderson. So there's a, there's a lot of like caveats. There's a lot of you know playing chess in this matchup with the Titans. A lot of things have to go your way. For me, look, you're D'Amico Ryan's. Everybody loves what you're doing in year one, including myself. You had the best defense in the league last year, albeit with a lot more talent than you have this year. Go win a football game. Bobby Slowick right now is being considered for other jobs around the NFL, maybe one of the newest jobs that came open. So go win a football game. Go scheme it up. Like if D'Amico Ryans is great, if he's this great defensive mind, if Bobby Slowick is this you know, hot shot wizard offensive coordinator, cool. Go win a football game for your football team when you have Davis Mills and when you're without probably your top two wide receivers. No, I would say I agree in the fact that you've got to be able to adjust, right? Scheme it the right way, but adjust on the fly where necessary where they really struggled, especially a week ago when you, know, you lose guys and you should try to win a different way because you know you don't have the personnel to execute the same game plan. Go in there this week and take advantage, for, if you're D'Amico Ryans, of a rookie quarterback that's capable of coughing it up. And make sure that you're able to put some kind of pressure on the quarterback so that he has to make some quick decisions. And then make sure that you take away the running game enough so that he can put it in the air and he can give you other opportunities. And from an offensive standpoint, you've got to capitalize every single time you're close to the red zone. Davis Mills has to put points on the board. This is one where as much as they've been aggressive on going for it on fourth down, going for touchdowns over field goals, I think this is a situation where you just got to get points every single opportunity you get a chance, or at least the majority of the times, and you can't leave empty-handed because you don't have the same kind of play at quarterback. Yeah, and the Texans really haven't been great in the red zone either, Like, and they're missing their best quarterback. Uh, they're missing their best two receivers in Tank and Nico as well. Like To me, if you win this game, it's got to be 13-10. Like, it's got to be ugly like that. Because I don't think you're scoring – I think the maximum amount of points the Texans could score with this 
and even against a bad defense, with this offense is 17 points. I think 17 points is kind of the max. Now, maybe you get a pick six. Yeah. Maybe you get a kickoff That's... return for a touchdown or a punt return, for, or you block one. I could see a special team score, but your offense isn't giving you more than 17 points Sunday. No, I think the range is 13 to 17, and I think that's fair simply because offensively I think they're so limited. So I think that's the biggest hurdle to overcome. And you're right, the biggest way to kind of overcome it is to capitalize with the turnovers. I was talking about it. Win the turnover battle, and either if you don't get a pick six out of it, you win a turnover battle on their end of the football field where it's a short field and it's a lot easier to score. 713-780 ESPN Titans injury report is out too. Jeffrey Simmons will not play, which is big. That's good. But Jeffrey Simmons also didn't play last week whenever they went into Miami and upset the Miami Dolphins. So that's a big loss for Tennessee, not diminishing that loss. That guy's a stud. That guy's a really good football player. It's better that he's out than in, but the, the, uh, the Oilers have won a football game without him in, in very, very recently. What is it going to take for the Texans to win? They win if what? 713-780-3776. Uh, 5038 says running game for Houston, controlling the clock, 12 personnel, which is, of course, two tight end sets. That sounds great in theory, and I, and I think that you're right. Like Their running game needs to be good. I think Singletary's been better than Damian Pierce. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to make some hay in the running attack, and they haven't done that all year. So it doesn't give you much confidence in that. But if you're going to win, I think you've got to win the running game, both offensively and defensively. But here's the other thing, Jeremy. You don't think if you're Tennessee scheming for this game, the same way we're talking about Will Levis, there's the the thought in the room that hey, I think that this is a guy in Davis Mills that can give it to us if we put him in a tough situation. So we're gonna take away the run, and yeah. we're gonna dare him to beat us with the pass. And if he tries to do the things that Stroud's been doing, I think that there's a chance that we're going to get some turnovers, and I think that that's what they're thinking coming into this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, for certainly that's going to be something that they're looking to do, but I do think that you have to have the mindset of, okay, we're going to go into Nashville and we're going to try to, I don't even want to say run the ball down their throats because I don't think it's possible. Win the run game. Win the run game both offensively and defensively. Now, you don't have Will Anderson on the defensive side, and they still have a guy by the name of uh, Derrick Henry. 7584 says, I feel oddly confident in Mills. I think he suffered the most from Pep Hamilton, and I think the new scheme will do wonders for his career. What's your thoughts on that, being oddly confident in Davis Mills? That's odd, that's strange, and that's insane. Because <laughs> what, what I've seen is, if you, want, if you take the over-under on how many times he can hit a popcorn vendor in the third row on an out route, I'll take the over. If, it, if it's insanely confident in Davis Mills to lead me to victory, I'll say you're absolutely out of your mind, and no matter what money you put on the line to try a, and win that kind of a bet, I'll take the other side of it because I don't believe in Davis Mills, and I think that he is going to be a major factor if they lose this game. I don't have confidence he's going to be a major factor if they win this game. No, I think it's more manage, limit mistakes. I don't see like a Davis Mills 300-yard game incoming. If he does win this game, though, he, he his popularity in Houston lore goes skyrockets. Because right now he's kind of meh, right? right. Two-year starter, bad team, meh. You don't believe in Davis Mills. And you're not saying that if he wins this game, all of a sudden the city's going to want him to be the starting quarterback. But he's going to go from being a meh backup quarterback to being a lovable Backup quarterback. Scratching the surface of uh, following T.J. Yates. Yeah, trying to be Yates. the next guy to step up and be the next guy when you need him the most. Yeah, he's never going to be more popular than C.J. Stroud. No. But if he wins a game that you have to have and then the Texans make the playoffs on the heels of him winning that one game at Tennessee against the Houston Oilers, he's going to go from being like Davis mid-Mills to being Davis lovable Mills. Sure. I mean, he's going to be the second coming of a TJ Yates where people, no matter, even if you don't have a great career and you don't lead this team to victory for games and games and games on, you did what you did in order to be someone that will be endeared in the hearts of Texans fans. 
Yates, Yates did it in the playoffs, which is more magnified. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's not quite there yet, but if he wins this football game, it'll go a long way for his reputation here Nine, for sure. 9392, establish the run. Robert Woods can be your go-to guy for this one game. Uh, pressure Levis. I just don't know if Robert Woods has that much left in the tank these days. He played there, right? Yeah, he played there for a minute. Yeah, so maybe he wants maybe he wants a little revenge game. You know Steps up for one game. You know how I, know. I feel about this kind of stuff. I don't if, care. If, I'm just, I'm, look, I'm, I'm grasping at straws <laughs> right now. He, I'm trying to find something that says, yes, let's, yeah. let's, let's ride that one. If Robert Woods needs motivation because he's playing his former team, then I question why Robert Woods is in the NFL. Uh, three, two, zero, some nine. people do. Uh, yeah, the revenge games, things like that. Uh, three two zero nine Mills won in Tennessee with no weapons before. He can do it again. He actually is 2-0 and all time in his career when he's playing in Nashville. Okay. He's got history beating the Titans. He's 2-0. He's undefeated. How much are you putting that he gets a 3-0? He's undefeated. How much I'm putting? Nothing. I'm not okay. putting a single dime. I, I usually don't bet the Texans in general, though, uh, unless it's a total. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Busy show. We'll play Who Said It late. Uh, we'll play Who Said It later in the show. I needed you back. I, I'm, I'm not very good. How did you do last week? I, not, I, well, two, I lost 2-3. Uh, to three. Okay. Three to two. I lost, right, you I lost were in it. One. You were in it until the it. end. Yeah, I need my partner back. I need you like a fish needs water when All it comes right. to who said it. We'll be uh, playing some BZ money. We're doing well in BZ money, but Joe messed up the math. Go figure. We'll criticize him lately and tell you how he messed up the math. And if you're Bobby Slowick, how do you call this game with Davis Mills? Do you call it any differently? Do you let it fly knowing you have nothing to lose? How would you call that? Uh, DJ Enemy will be joining us at the bottom of the hour as well. Just talked about the Texans win if what? All right, let's flip it. The Texans lose if what? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. A little bit of weather in the area. I got a little sprinkle on my on my uh, car whenever I was driving into Kobo's today. And look, the, the math would tell you, the stats would tell you, the analytics would tell you, if there's a little water on the roadways, there's a better chance that you're going to get into an accident. And if you get into an accident, you know that you need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. How much do you pay with Hollingsworth Law Firm? You don't pay anything until you win your case. That's the biggest thing, Jeremy, but there's so many other big things that go along with why you go to Hollingsworth Law Firm. Yeah, you don't, get, you, you don't pay unless you win, and that's extra motivation. But you're going with a law firm that specializes in car wrecks, and that's exactly what you need because you never know when you're going to get in a car wreck, but once you do, you need someone on your side immediately to make sure that you don't get screwed. And that's what Steve and his company do. That's why they're the best at doing car wrecks because it's not just Car Wreck Texas on the website. It's the fact that this is what they specialize in all the time. So lock the number into your phone because they're going to fight the insurance companies. They're going to fight the other driver. They're going to make sure you get what's rightfully yours and that you don't get screwed at the end of the day, especially if it wasn't your fault. Hollingsworth Law Firm, the name that you need to know if you're ever into that car accident. You can call for a free consultation, 713-999-8773. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm fight those insurance companies so you don't have to. 713-999-8773. Visit them online as well. CarWreckTexas.com. CarWreckTexas.com. It's the Killer Bees, coming to you from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, located at Kobo's Barbecue in East Downtown. Here's the Bees Knees themselves, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Broadcasting live from Kobo's and Edo. All the familiar faces are out here. Chewy's out here. Chewy's wearing a DJ Screw shirt. That's nice. Uh, Kobo's, of course, is out here. Big C's out here. Letting everybody know his opinion. Uh, I, I finally met Todd the show yep. today, too. First time that I've met Todd the show. Uh, I was expecting more. No, I was, I was, you were I was expecting more? I was expecting a little more from Todd the show. In what way? Eh, you know, height, 
His profile pictures make him out to be a little bit more handsome than he is. He kind of looks like Barry Lamanek's illegitimate brother. Huh. He's got the chin music which throws you off, but he's got the glasses, the same kind of hairstyle. Yeah, the saying illegitimate brother, though, make it mean that they're close? They were just separated at birth. <laughs> I could see that a little bit. I could see it a little bit. All right, 713-780-ESPN. DJ Enemy is going to join us uh, here in person in about 11 minutes. We, on the other side, we were talking about the Texans win if what? Texans win if what? 713-780-3776. The Texans lose if what? Well, I think from the from right off the jump, it, it, the Texans lose if they can't stop the run because now Will Levis doesn't have to throw it around the yard and he doesn't have to be dangerous. He can just and if he runs a little bit too, that's just you know icing on the cake. If they can control the clock and run the football, they're they're gonna they're gonna hurt the Texans in a variety of ways. But I think that the they can do whatever they want if they're running the football because now you're gonna start concentrating more on loading the box, doing extra things to try and stop the run. And now Levis is going to have easier opportunities both outside and across the middle. That's going to open everything up for them. And and I don't anticipate that being a good scenario for the Texans. Derrick Henry owns the Texans on top of this. Uh, The Texans were way worse against the run last year than this year. They have a better coach that's coaching the defense. They have better personnel. Uh, Grenard's playing this year versus not playing last year. They drafted Will Anderson. Will Anderson wasn't here last year. Derrick Henry last year, 126 yards and a touchdown in one game. He ran for 219 yards and two touchdowns in another game. Didn't play against the Texans in 21, uh, or at least the second half of 21. Uh, Against the Texans in 2020, he had a 250-yard game with two touchdowns. Earlier that year, he had a 212-yard game with two touchdowns. The year prior to that, a 211-yard game with three touchdowns. Derrick Henry loves playing the Houston Texans. Now, is it because they wear Toro on the helmet? No, probably not. It's probably because the Texans have been bad the last few years. But it kind of you know, magnifies that point that you just brought up, that Derrick Henry has owned the Houston Texans in a game in which you have a rookie quarterback on one side and you have a Davis Mills on the other side. Stopping the run is going to be imperative, and the Houston Texans have almost never been able to stop the run against Derrick Henry. Well, and I think overall, Jeremy, when we do like the whole side-by-side comparison and we say who wins this, who wins that, even if you say it's a push at quarterback, whoever wins the running game has got a really good chance to win the football game. you got Derrick Henry on one side and a, and a Titans team that's proven over the years they can run the football and he's not the same Derrick Henry, but he's a beast, and he's tough to bring down, and your defense is depleted. And on the other side, you're trying to figure out if either guy can do anything to sniff more than 50, 60 yards in the last couple of games where, yeah, you've had glimpses at at times with Singletary, but that's not not enough to say that they're going to match the kind of running game that can be put out there by the Titans. The the, the answer that I would have for this, the Texans lose if... Blank. It, it to me is if they don't score, and, and I have trouble finding. Like I have trouble seeing them score uh, the football. You're, you're down an offensive lineman now. Fant was not very good last week. Fant was really bad last week. But you have Charlie Heck that's playing right tackle. Okay, that's a little bit of a downgrade. How big of a downgrade is it when you go from C.J. Stroud to Davis Mills? I think it's a large Massive. downgrade. Uh, the Houston Texans have played two games without Tank Dell. In both of those games, they've been inept offensively. Now there's a decent chance they're going to be without Nico Collins. It's good that you're getting Dalton Schultz back. Like I really don't see how the Houston Texans are going to move the ball with great success. Maybe you have a couple of series here and there. I don't have any confidence that the offense can be able to move. So the Texans lose if the offense plays like I think they're going to play. I think the other thing, too, Jeremy, to that point is you, you have to be creative. If you can't just run it the old-fashioned way, find ways to do it, make plays out of the, the passing game that, that emulate the running game, little dump-offs to get 
running backs in space on the edge. Get them just right over the line of scrimmage. Try and gain some yards, three, four, five at a time. That way, if you can't run the ball traditionally. But find a way to take pressure off of Mills and put yourself in shorter second and third down situations. It's, a, it's imperative if this team's going to move the football or put any points on the board. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. 3209, Texans win if Levis forces the big play, which means the Texans need at least two picks in order to win. I, I can see, definitely see that. You get two picks, you think you should win that game. Uh, Joe, where are you at with this? Uh, the Texans will lose on Sunday if the sun comes up. That's, oh, that's, that's where I'm at right now. This injury report's brutal. No, honestly, they will lose this game if Will Levis throws for over 200 yards. I think you have to absolutely shut him down throughout the entire game. It's not just about turnovers. You have to make him an inept quarterback, the guy that I know BMAC over there thinks he is. You have to shut him down and make him look like an absolute joke and that he doesn't belong on the field. That's the only chance you have to win this game. Brian, you think that Will Levis is an inept quarterback? Brian's Brian's trying to get his headsets right. Yeah, he's uh, he wasn't prepared to defend his uh, his take on Will Levis. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a good quarterback right now. I think he has talent. I think he has potential. I think he has talent, but I think 200, 200 is a very low total. Uh, I think. I think he, he, he had the one explosion against Atlanta, and you look at his numbers after that. It was very mediocre. You know, bottom third of the league across the board. He's a rookie, so obviously you leave room for improvement. But no, I don't think he's shown. Uh, to be anywhere near C.J. Stroud's level no, at this point. No. I, I think he's the second-best rookie quarterback. but he's uh, Bryce far, Young sets a low bar. He's far away from C.J. Stroud being the, uh, the number one. Don't uh, sleep when it on comes Tommy to DeVito. He's got, a, he's got an agent. Uh, he's got an agent. I would hire his agent in the knows some people. He can get you whacked. Yeah, he, he probably could get you whacked there. Um, what's interesting about Joe's point, too, is the Texans have struggled against quarterbacks you think that they would have success with, right? Yeah. Zach Wilson, in weather, stop using that as an excuse, he threw for over 300 yards. You lost the only time. You lost the only game that Bryce Young has won. You struggled with Desmond Ritter, who then got benched after he like, played a couple weeks after up. he played well. Uh, against you so I could see where Joe's coming from and the Texans have always been a little bit like hesitant to put pressure on these rookie quarterbacks because they feel like they can sit back play coverage uh play a little bit of zone you know let let the quarterback make the throw underneath and then you can swarm as D'Amico likes to say and then you go tackle problem is in these games they're like making busts like they're missing tackles they're missing they're they're blowing assignments uh I would like to see them get a little aggressive with with Will Levis instead of a you know our defense isn't going to lose this game a little bit more of a mindset of we're going to go win this game with our defense play play man as much as you can loaded load up with lots of extra pressure and and make the kid beat you I I think that that's one way that you could put all the pressure on them offensively and and put it in the hands of a young man that coming into this league you know has a lot to prove and and he's capable of coughing it up and, and giving you a few extra opportunities that's what you have to have I mean this has to be the perfect storm if you're a Houston Texans fan in order to come out on top in this game because they're riding momentum they're they're healthier than you are they have talent and experience at positions that you don't mainly because you have offensively a D hop who's resurrected his career uh, and the fact that you still have a Derrick Henry and you've got some guys with some skill I, I think that you have to have the perfect storm in order to win this football game, and it starts with making Will Levis uncomfortable and giving him every opportunity to give you the football. It's interesting. <laughs> this injury report is something else. Uh, what about the uh, the Case Keenum factor here? What, what would it take for Case Keenum to get some snaps? I think if Davis looks really, really bad early on and they start digging a hole for themselves that's you know in the double-digit range, uh, I think that's where you could see a Keenum. I actually, and I told you this 
uh, early, I think it was earlier in the week, I would Lamont had posed the question, who would you rather go with? I would rather go with Case Keenum to win one football game late in the season with a chance to, to enhance your playoff possibilities than I would Davis Mills. And it has nothing to do with, regardless of who they're playing, I want to go with an experienced guy that knows how to read defenses, that's been very good in short doses when he's been called on, and he can make throws. I, I just think he is a better fit for this team this week to beat the t- Tennessee Titans than Levis, and I hope that D'Amico isn't hesitant if Davis craps the bed and they get down early to go to him. I'm not saying that I disagree with you, but the Texans do. The Texans have made it very clear that Davis Mills is their clear-cut number two guy because he's been the number two guy all year. Uh, Case Keenum's been a healthy or he's been a healthy and active all year. He's been the emer- emergency third quarterback all year. So whatever the Texans see gives them the confidence that Davis Mills is clearly ahead of Case. And I don't. I think you're right, but I also would throw this back at you as a counter to that and say, do they because they know that Davis Mills is basically in their plans for the, for a couple couple more years or could be as opposed to Keenum, who's just a, a bench like a, a bridge bench big brother for a year to kind of guide CJ in his first year and do some things. So they've got to make Davis Mills at least feel like he's the backup because no. you haven't needed him. No. But in a situation when you actually need him. Do you think that that would last long-term if Davis Mills looks bad? I don't think they care about Davis Mills' feelings. I think that they care about if C.J. Stroud sprains his ankle, who do we have more confidence in? Maybe Whatever not his feelings, but his value? Eh, what is, how does it help his value, though, if he's sitting on the bench? If he looks really bad, no team would ever want him. But maybe you can get something for him if he plays decent. No, I, I think it's they have three quarterbacks. Stroud's obviously the very, very best. And if Stroud gets hurt, who do they have the most confidence in to move the ball if C.J. Stroud sprained an ankle? I think that's why Davis Mills has been the number two. And I think that's the clear answer of why Davis Mills is the number two. Now, in terms of benching Mills in this game at some point, I echo what you say mostly. To me, it's if you're having incredible trouble moving the ball and you're trailing. Like, you can't make the move, in my opinion, if you're leading the game, even if you're tied in the game. But if you're trailing and you just can't move the ball, like, you can't sustain drives. You're not moving the chains. That's when it's like, gunslinger, Keenum, let's go. Like, try to give me a little come-from-behind victory, sling it around the yard, go win us a football game. I don't think you make that move, though, unless you're trailing in the game. I, can, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from as well. I, I, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some kind of really quick, bad play from Davis Mills to put you behind the eight ball early for D'Amico to say, look, I can't screw around with this while we still have a chance, plenty of time on the clock, and, and we might create some opportunities for ourselves. I'm not willing to let this thing get any further out of hand. But I think that if it's just a, a field goal game or a touchdown game, I think that even if he plays badly, they probably won't make the change. And, and, and that's sad to me. Lamont says if you guys think that Will Levis is a bad quarterback, the Texans will lose. Texans can't compete with bad quarterbacks. That's true. One four eight three case all the way. Go Cougs. Seven three six five. I feel like Branham's looking at this from a head coach point of view, while Joel is looking at it from a GM point of view. That's why we do what we do. We, we cover all bases. All right. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN broadcasting live from Kobo's and Edo. When we return, we'll be joined by the man who covers the Houston Texans for ESPN, DJP Enemy, for the next thirty minutes right here on ESPN ninety seven five. And ESPN 92.5. You're live in the hive with the killer bees coming to you from the mobile Veritex community bank studios located at Kobo's barbecue and East downtown. It's Joel and Jeremy. 
All right, he's blank. I'm Branham. DJB Enemy is joining us now. Covers the Houston Texans for ESPN, ESPN.com, broadcasting live from Kobo's. DJ, this injury report is something else, man. Will Anderson out, Blake Cashman out, two big pieces to this defense. CJ Stroud, doubtful. I'd be shocked if out. he plays. Okay, there you go. <laughs> CJ Stroud out. Uh, Nico Collins, who knows what's the case there. How in the world are the Texans going to be able to overcome all of these injuries? <laughs> if I had the answer, <laughs> I'd be on the sidelines. What's side the best <laughs> way to overcome these man, injuries? To be honest, I think um, when you have the injuries that they have, I mean, again, you're down your two best receivers. You're down your best quarterback. You're down your your second best edge rusher. You're down your best linebacker. You forgot to even mention that TT's out. So you're, yeah. you're down your starting nickel cornerback. Um, we'll I, back up. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think. Ooh, they got a lot on their hands, man. They got a lot on their hands because mainly, like, you know, you can overcome, like, a couple injuries. You, To be honest, like, let's say they had Nico and they had Tank. You could overcome the C.J. Charles injury, right? Because, like, uh, Davis would still have pieces around him. You could play complimentary football and be okay. But the fact that you're down, your two best receivers, your best quarterback, your possibly your right tackle who wasn't practiced this week, like, <laughs> at a certain point, when you factor in all the other injuries, it's like, uh, at a certain point, there's only so much you can overcome. But I think their best chance – is if Bobby Slowick learned from last week and he run that damn football. Like, he, like I'm talking about, like, we're going to try to get over 30 carries. We're going to try to make sure that Davis Mills does not have to try to win us this game. We're going to try to get in a lot of third and favorable situations, even though he did mention that that's what they tried to do last week. But, and I mean, to be honest, he said he didn't want to get too predictable on first and second down where you go run, run, pass. But they were carving the Jets up on the ground. They could have went run, run, and you might not have gotten to a third down because you would have been you, you were, you were carving them. Um, but I think in this situation, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to lean on DP a lot, leave on Devin Singletary to be able to overcome some of these these injuries. Because I remember last year when Davis Mills was down, his top two receivers against the Eagles they actually made it pretty competitive, mainly because Damian Pierce rushed for 130 yards, I think 139 yards the last time he had over 100 yards rushing. But um, I think that's their best chance, right? Run the ball. Um, I know it sounds monotonous and sounds cliches, but, like, literally, if they can run it and, and – control the clock, things of that nature. Because their defense, they should be, it still should be okay. Because, like, Tennessee, they might have beat Miami, but, like, the way they beat Miami is very fluky. You can't rely on that. Only having 13 points, and then at the end you score two touchdowns under three minutes. That's not sustainable. And a lot of teams that win that type of last minute, uh, when you're not supposed to win, the next week they come out kind of flat. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that the Texans, they have a – they still, like, I still think they have a good shot at winning. They just have to – execute the game plan and be very stout on uh, third down. DJ, with what you just said and the fact that I think we all feel a little leery about, like, taking the reins off of Davis Mills or, or, or being in a position where he has to do something that you don't really want to see him to do. We were just talking about it. I thought all week if you were – if CJ wasn't going to play, I thought Keenum gave you a better chance to win one football game late in the season when you need a guy that's probably going to play smart with the football probably going to is capable of still making the right decisions and throw, throwing the football where it needs to be thrown and not putting you in a vulnerable position to cough it up or give it up. I don't, I don't When the last time this kid started the game? Like, what, 2020, 2019? Did that's he a, start for Buffalo? No, or did he, he come started in, for, he started come for in Cleveland. For Josh Allen? No, he came in a couple of times, but he yeah. started for Cleveland. Now he is the greatest statistical college quarterback of all time. Go Cougs. I, I, I didn't know this weekend was going to be a college game. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, Keenum hasn't – Play, like he hasn't played since like the preseason, and 
he hasn't started a game since I think it was 20, 2020 or 2019 when he stepped in for Baker, um, and he won a couple games. They went 2-0, I think, in that, in that little stretch. But, I mean, I would rather go Davis mainly because I think Davis give you the best chance to win. I know Casey's probably smarter. But Casey's pretty up there in age. I think Casey's like what thirty five, thirty six. Hey man, Joe Flacco's got uh, he's got an but argument. Joe, Joe Flacco's peaks. Are he's a lot. elite though, right? No. Just, <laughs> at this point, I'm just talking about one game. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying in like you know going case. It's just Joe Flacco. You mentioned he's he's played he's he's played in games for the past like past decade. Like Case has gone four whole years without starting a game. Yeah. and actually playing, especially in a game of this magnitude, and we've seen Case. Actually, in this situation, um, not case, but Davis Mills in this actual situation, be effective. Like, right, like last year, he helped the Texans get a win against Tennessee on the road last year. Granted, different team, different scheme, different whatever. But, again, we've seen him in these moments um, be able to answer the call and be effective and not, you know, you know, vomit all over himself. Not saying Case would, though. No, no, I'm actually I'm on, I'm on your side, even though I'm the biggest Coug homer that there is and the biggest Case Keenum homer there is. I mean, the Texans, I think, have told you their answer, right? I mean, who's been the number two on the depth chart all year long? Who's been the sprained ankle away from coming onto the field? It's been Mills. So I think D'Amico and Slowick and Casario and all the decision makers have told you that Davis Mills, they feel more confident in than, than, than Case. And I think Davis has looked competent in his limited action this year. Now, it's very, very small sample size, but very, very limited, which kind of brings me to my next question. DJ Bayanami covers the Texans for ESPN, joining us here live at Kobo's. What does this offense look like on Sunday from a play-calling point of view? You mentioned you'd like to see the running. Uh, do you think Slowick and Slowick mentioned in his press conference yesterday, I know that you were there, that of course that he's going to have to call the game differently. How much aggression do you think he will call the game with his backup quarterback getting the start? I think pretty aggressive. Um, a, lot of, a lot of West Coast guys from the Kyle Shanahan tree, when their backup goes out, they're still pretty aggressive. I remember with Mike LaFleur, the Texan, the Jets offensive coordinator in 2021, his, his first year, when Zach Wilson went out, Mike White threw the ball almost – Mike White threw the ball with 40 times with 400 yards. And I remember the next game when um, Mike White against the Colts, he hurt his elbow, and then Josh Johnson came in the game. He threw the ball over 40 times. He threw for 300 yards. Mike McDaniel, when Tua went out last year, he had Teddy slinging it around. He had Kyler Thompson slinging it around. Um, same with Teddy, because Teddy replaced Skyler against the uh, Vikings, because Skyler got hurt pretty early. So, like, I think he'll still be p- pretty aggressive. I think since the Titans run, like, more of a 3-4 um, front, I can see a lot of more outside zones trying to really, uh, you know, uh, toy with the outside linebackers in that regard, since they'll be kind of that 5-tech Time to toy with them, run some outside zone. Run some, they run some boots so you can get some of the explosives. Um, there was one player I was talking to in the locker room said the difference was last week that the Jets are like in a four-down line front. So it, like, the, like the outside zone isn't necessarily as effective. And when you run some of that play-action boot stuff, it, it t- tends to not be. Um, it wasn't there as often, which is why we didn't see it that much. But in this type of front, you have a better shot of seeing that. So I could think – because, again, most of their explosives come when they've – being able to run some of that play-action stuff, like against Tampa Bay, like that play-action cross to Noah Bryan for 75 yards. Um, that's against the 3-4 front. Um, I guess that to the Panthers, something similar where they missed, but they almost got one, hit one with Nico, um, even though they, they still run a little bit different coverages on the back end. But I think they'll, he'll still be aggressive. Like all these guys, when the quarterback goes down, they don't necessarily like pull it back. They, if anything, they're going to try to run it to set up the pass to try to get – some explosives. So I don't necessarily think we're going to see an overly conservative game plan. 
I, I'm curious, DJ, look at it from the other side of you. you got two defensive-minded head coaches, right? You've got two guys that would probably like to put it in the quarterback of the opponent's hands and say, you're going to cough it up or we have ways to make you give it to us or we can beat you. But in order to do that, you got to stop the run. You just said that you want you would like to see them get where they force feed the run a little bit more. Make yeah. sure that they run the football. Absolutely. We know Derrick Henry on the side of the football, and they got Spears as well. But you know Derrick Henry has had, and Jeremy highlighted with the stats, he's had some monster games against this Houston team. And you know they're going to try and do that. I feel like what you were talking about in your first comment comes into play here, too, in the fact they still have the right personnel on defense to stop the run. You've got the big bodies on the D-line, and I think they can, they can slow down Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Like, when I remember seeing those stats um, for the past five games, we got to remember four of that came against a Lovey, Lovey Smith D, uh, scheme, which is, you know, it, it just didn't fit the players in terms of being able to stop the run and stop Derrick Henry. And, again, he didn't make many adjustments in the moment to, again, like slow that down. But even the last time they played Derrick Henry, he broke off that big run afterwards, but it was kind of slow and tough sledding after that. So I'm actually not that worried about Derrick Henry. And in all honesty, like this year, the O-line hasn't been that good, and he hasn't actually been able to dominate the ways that we're actually accustomed to. Um, I remember last, last week, if you would have looked at the score, uh, Dolphins-Tennessee 28-27, You'd have thought Derrick Henry went crazy. <laughs> he did not. I think he had, he had under forty yards rushing. Like yeah. it wasn't like he had his vintage Derrick Henry type of game, and he hasn't necessarily been that type of guy this year. And I think more of it has to do with the offensive line. But I'm not actually that that worried about Derrick Henry taking over the game in ways that the Texas can't overcome. Because even last year we ran for two hundred plus. They only scored 17 points. That's weird. But just they have to <laughs> stop the run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to stop the run. They got to stop the run. Um, and if they can stop the run and put in Will Levis's hands, even though he has some serious arm talent, they'll, that'll give them a, a smooth shot. Um, I'm not really too worried about them defensively. I'm more worried about them being able to score enough points to win the game. I think defensively it's going to be like a 2017 type of affair. Let's get to uh, more with DJ Enemy on the other side. Killer Bees broadcasting live from Kobo's and Edo on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Pajamagram. Look, you're probably one of those guys that has so much going on day to day that you haven't done any Christmas shopping yet. You haven't gotten your significant other the most important gift. And that is something that really comes from the heart with a lot of love behind it. That's why I'm telling you about Pajamagram.com because you don't have to go to the mall. You don't have to fight the crowds and find parking and wait in lines and deal with all of that. And then on top of it, wrap the gift and, and find time to do all those things while doing so much more. You should go to Pajamagram.com. They always feature those naturally nude pajamas. And they always sell out. But if you get there now and you order them, you get the, the, the naturally nude pajamas. They're like a second skin. They're soft. They're supple. She's going to love to wear them. And when she wears them, you're going to love how she looks. And on top of that, it's a two-for-one deal right now. You buy the pajamas. The naturally nude nightgown is thrown in. That's a $75 value. On top of that, they'll wrap it for you. Get it there before the holidays. And the next thing you know, you are a hero. And we talk about happy holidays and the holiday season. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And you keep everybody in the household happy when you get a gift like this do it now guys i'm telling you you won't regret it go to pajamagram.com check out the naturally nude pajamas if you buy them you'll get the nightgown you get it wrapped you get it delivered and your deal is done you are a hero without ever having to go to the mall check them out today pajamagram.com the bees are on the road and today they're live from kobo's barbecue and east downtown Come see them in their natural state of eating and talking sports. From the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. First time I've agreed with Spencer Tillman, in that order, too, eating ahead. 
of Talking Sports. He's Blank on Branham, being joined by DJ Enemy. We are broadcasting live from Kobo's. Great spot to come out if you're looking for a little drink place after work. Get your weekend started a little bit early with us here at Kobo's. Uh, DJ, you mentioned uh, Sloic. DJ Enemy covers uh, the Houston Texans for ESPN, ESPN.com, best of the business at it. You're talking about Sloic and getting away from the run last week, which I, I agree with you. It's like, this is working. Why not continue to do it? Uh, C.J. Stroud obviously is your best player, but he was struggling. The, the passing game was struggling. It wasn't all on him. I've had a theory, and I'm curious your point on this. I think Slowick's great at game planning. I think that's obvious. Yeah. Great at game planning. I think we're, we're going to agree. I, I wonder about the adjustments yeah, I agree. from Bobby Slowick. Yeah, I agree. I agree there. I think there, there are times where he, I don't want to use stubborn, but he kind of gets in his own way. Because, like, like, last week was a prime example, like, you should have known by the second quarter it was raining. Nico got hurt. Your receivers weren't necessarily getting that much separation against Sauce, uh, Michael Carter, and DJ Moore. Because the next in stats, they all averaged. Outside of Robert Woods, who was in the slot, they all averaged under two yards of separation. League average 2.8. Sheesh. You're running the ball with efficiency. Okay, let's scrap whatever the game plan was, and let's completely go something new. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I've talked to some players, and they, they have said there have been times where Bobby has adjusted on the fly. Um Especially that, like the, that Bucks game was an example of that. But last week was kind of concerning in the sense of why didn't you uh, – like because like, that was clear as day. You didn't even have to know football to know it's raining, Matt Life, the Jets defense, rookie quarterback, no Nico, no Tank. All right, let's just run the ball until their tongues fall out. <laughs> you know, like let's run it until their tongues fall out. But he didn't. And they kept throwing. It wasn't like, you know, like they would go first down, get, get some success, then run it on, you know, get some sex, then throw it on second and third. And it's just like, come on, man. Let's run, like run, run. And, you know, I'm not the type of guy that's like, oh, just be predictable, run, sure. run, and then throw. But the Jets' weakness in their defense is stopping the run. Like that's a legitimate weakness for them, which is why the teams that have been able to control, like really take control of that game and beat them, with, with like, convincingly, it's been able. They've been able to run the ball. Miami is an example. Dallas is an example. Um, the Chargers were an example. Well, obviously, you know, they they also got a bunch of turnovers, but they were able to control the game that way. You don't want to get into a drop back heavy pass game against that defense when they intercepted Tua, Jalen, Mahomes, and Josh Allen multiple times. And I, you know, I love CJ, and CJ is progressing to be possibly an MVP type of quarterback. But in that moment. You can't expect that version of CJ when he's down his his two best target. Actually, is Schultz his third? Top, yeah, and the third target. <laughs> you know, so that, I go back to my adjustment thing that we yeah. were just discussing. Yeah. That's, what, that, that's what we were talking about. I, I keep saying, look, for it's, the season itself, Bobby Slowick, D'Amico, CJ, exceeded expectations. Way more positives than negatives. But with Bobby Slowick, the adjustment factor of plan B, being able to kind of adjust and audibleize on the fly when you're down that many receivers, when you know the conditions, when you know that you, you, you have a possibility to do something differently. And there's been several games where he just he, he, he adjusted solely, as you pointed out. That's why I look at this and say, but the positives still outweigh the negatives. Of course. We're of course. sitting here a month left in the season, four games left. People feeling so great of the three guys that I mentioned and the output of this team where we always say, at what point is the season a success versus a disappointment? If they don't make the playoffs, because Jeremy has said 10 games will get you in, that means three out of four in the last four games. But if they don't make the playoffs, because it's intensified, because so many people have said, this is our squad now, this is playoffs now, is it a disappointment if they don't make it? Because we've had the conversation about, 
is it something they build on that they, they have to make it because they can under- experience it? Or if you're close, you're in the hunt, but you fall short and injuries are a part of it, can you still find a way to say this was a positive season? The last two years, they have seven wins. They're at seven wins right now. Yeah. So, yeah, regardless of making the playoffs or not, it's been an absolute massive success, mainly because you ha- you for sure know you have your quarterback of the future. And anytime you draft a rookie quarterback, that is the goal to like have no doubt about that. So you can really go all in and pushing the chips. I remember when I was covering the Jets, um, there was somebody in the front office that was always that always told me that, you know, just talking generally, that if you're going to go all in on a quarterback, you got to make sure he's ready, right? Because if he's not ready and you go in too early and he's not ready and you guys, you know, fall on your face, now you, you're in a kind of like a sort of soft rebuild, right? Um, not like what the Chargers did because Herbert was ready. It just they had the wrong coach. Um, but the fact that Texas know they have their guy, they can they can start pushing the chips to the middle of the thing going forward. So the, regardless of they could have finished six and eleven, five and twelve, as long as he just playing the way he played. Um, because think about it like this: if if the Bucks game and the Bengals game go the opposite way, but the stats are still the same for the most part outside of the last touchdown for CJ, we're still all feeling really good about this season. Yeah, my my stance on I, I agree with everything you say. I, I think that the development goes up like an iota. If you get to the playoffs, yeah, exactly. I, think, I think it's incredibly, I think it's incredibly valuable to get to the playoffs as a young team, even if you lose, like because you taste the postseason. Let's say they go into Arrowhead and get smoked by three touchdowns. Oh, CJ Stroud just went into Arrowhead to play Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Knows what that environment is like. So, uh, and especially like the injuries, like it changes the context of the season. Right. Like no one thought you'd be in this spot, right. but if you get there, I think it helps the development of the organization a ton. But I, I think the injuries are a soft landing. Yeah, I think it so is too. A very soft landing, like. <laughs> Yeah. Like, because if, if, if you have to use, you know, nuance, people have to use nuance, right? You lose your starting quarterback, you, you know, you might be watching your best receiver, you lose your second best receiver for the season, you miss Dalton Show for a few games, you lose your number three overall pick, your second best edge rusher for, you know, however long he's going to be out. Like, like, you lost Stingley for like six weeks, like, and you were still in this position. Like, mm-hmm. perspective is going to kick in, and like, you couldn't help but feel positive about this season overall. And in actuality, to be honest, like, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you finish third in the AFC. Like, if you miss the playoffs, but you finish third in the AFC South, now you get a third-place schedule going into 2024. Yeah. And now you can potentially be the team that's, you know, in blink of an eye, oh, snap. They might be able to be a number one or number two seed because they have that easier schedule. We all see, like, down the stretch for teams in this position. It's not really about, you know, how good you are. It's really more about who are you playing, things of that nature, and health. Well, to your point, too, think about what we were talking about a year ago. You're trying to build around Damian Pierce. Yeah. Petrie. Yep. And you were hoping that you were going to get a coach. Right. Now you're building around your franchise quarterback. Right. You know, a a, a receiver that's taken the entire league by storm. Right. The number three pick as a pass rusher that's shown problem. Grenard is a problem now because you've got to sign him because he's been so good. (laughs) Now you're talking about a handful of guys that are cornerstones. Right. As opposed to guys you hope continue in year two to develop. Right. Where you're not, like, you know, overrating guys. Basically, because they were doing well on a bad team, you're actually rating guys that are playing at a very high level across the league, regardless of whether you're winning or losing. Nico's 11th in receiving yards. The uh, Gennard's top 10. I think he's a he's a I think top 15 in sacks. Will Anderson is top five in pass rush win rate. CJ's second in passing yards. Like CJ was CJ was second is second in passing yards, and as long as nobody else behind him go crazy, he's still going to be probably in the top six. In passing yards, right? And he's still top five in passer rating. Like, you're actually tank, because tank should come back and be fine, because it's not like he tore anything. Yeah. He just broke his I broke in my fibula, and look yeah. at me. 
I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like like he should be. You know, like there there's legitimate cornerstone pieces. I mean, again, like you know, you still got Derek Stingley along because when he's healthy, we see what he can do, which is why he's second in AFC yeah. among cornerbacks in Pro Bowl voting. So yeah, like they're like the the trajectory for this organization is is, is pointing up. You know, and it's funny, as you said, right, last year we were, it was looking like a quote-unquote, you know, potential travesty, dumpster fire. That's what, that's what, that's what the narrative was around, yep. right? And it's funny in the NFL how things can flip and change so fast. Look at Jacksonville. Like, they're, you know, they're leading the division. They want to play again last year. But in 2021, they look like absolute tire fire. Yeah. So that's, what, that's one thing I love about the NFL, how quickly everything can change. DJ Anime joining us uh, here at Kobo's. Whenever I hear you use the word all-in around a quarterback, like there's still season to play. I mean, there's four games left. I think if the Texans win three of those games, you're, you're looking at a playoff team in D'Amico's first year and Stroud's first year, which would be a major, major success. But I, I'm, I'm getting excited about the offseason, too. Like, whenever you say all-in, I'm thinking, okay, Nick Casario's got all this salary cap, all this money to spend. They still have a fair amount of draft capital. I'm, I'm bullish about the offseason, too. And whenever you're trying to go all-in around that quarterback, how do you think Nick, Nick Casario's going to be in terms of, like, aggression in spending money to build a better team around your quarterback and to give D'Amico, I think, a better skill set defensively, better, more talented guys. I think um, it's funny. Like, year two is usually the year where, like, teams spend more money. Mm-hmm. You look at Miami when they uh, hired Brian Flores. 2019, they didn't spend that much. 2022, they spent the most bread that, that you can imagine. And then the Patriots, granted, like, they, that was kind of off kilter for them. But in year two, I mean, when year one, Mac Jones, they spent a lot of money around Mac Jones, things of that nature. So, I mean, same with, like, the Chargers, right? They went and they got Khalil Mack, and they got Jason Jackson, even though Jason Jackson signing didn't work out. But they were ultra-aggressive, and I think that the Texans are going to be ultra-aggressive in the offseason because, like, they're in that window. Yeah. You got your quarterback of the future. This is when you build around him to make his job easier. So then when the other pieces start to fall off, he's ready to be able to be more of a truck than a trailer. But part of that, too, is while you're doing that, don't let any of those pieces that have – elevated the defense fall fall off to the wayside either because you we, we all know what Grenard has meant to this team yeah, absolutely Grenard and building around him is great building around a defense without Grenard and trying to build put other pieces in place becomes extremely more difficult if you're also focused on the other side of the football exactly exactly you know and, and to be honest again like with Nico and Tank like do you really need to be ultra aggressive and adding another receiver you might not need to anymore um me I still would but it, it, it's more of a luxury an actual need, you know, because I would prefer to have a situation where you have the Bengals where you got 3,000-yard potential receivers versus just two. Uh, and, again, like, it's, that's just always better for the quarterback. But, again, you don't have to do that. It's more of a luxury. And then defensively, you got to keep Grenard. But you can use the draft as well, right? right? right. So you exactly. can get a receiver, a young exactly. receiver that's talented on the offense, and exactly. now you got more money to play on D. Exactly, exactly. So I think they're in a great spot uh, going forward. DJ, appreciate you stopping by. Safe travels tomorrow up to Nashville and watch those Oilers play. All right, no problem. <laughs> DJ the enemy <laughs> uh, joining us here at Kobo's. Uh, when we come back, BZ Money. Killer Bees going to hand out some free winners. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5 live from Kobo. ESPN.